Hey, everybody, it's Daphne with Laura Entertainment. We are sitting down with Jason Markowitz. How are you doing, Jason? Hey, doing well. <laughs> Thank you very much, Daphne. I appreciate this. So what have you been into lately? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, what have I been into? Well, this uh, has been a really interesting last few years. And I think if we look back on the time in COVID that uh, changed so much of how everybody pretty much lives their lives, I can remember a few things about that time that really kind of set me on the path that I'm on right now. One of them was uh, at that time, I was the ROTC commander at Sacramento State University. I had to learn how to do all kinds of things over Zoom. I never thought I would have to learn how to do before, including teaching classes, uh, teaching military training and, and the like. But at the same time, I was also a community theater actor and I was in the middle of a production of uh, The Dinner Party at, uh, a, at a theater called Theater in the Heights. And when they shut down everything for COVID, uh, of course, they closed down the shows and we had to kind of look at what we were going to do next. And so I thought about voice acting. I took a course on audiobook narration, um, kind of worked it from there into general voice acting, um, built a production company that now we've done a few works of Edgar Allan Poe and a few other Christmas projects. And uh, so we're doing audio drama production and I've uh, just completed my 30th audiobook. So, you know, we've just kind of been moving that direction on the art side. And then, of course, now that COVID is over and we're back to, to full full duty and not having to worry about Zoom as much, you know, uh, just still serving here with the military. So how long have you been in? Uh, well, almost 26 years. Uh, commissioned in May of 1998 out of Fresno State University, uh, Air Force ROTC out there. And I've uh, had a lot of experiences along the way, but this coming May will be 26 years. Wow. So you've been a little bit of everywhere. And when I was doing your page, I noticed it said combat. What was that like? Well, um, there's a medal that I wear, the, the combat readiness medal, but uh, there, you know, so I, I want to make sure that we use the term combat right. And that's that's something that I know uh, I'm very precise about because there are situations that you can be in uh, that are in conflict zones, but they don't necessarily qualify as you being in combat. So, you know, I'll, I'll look at it in a couple of ways. So I spent some time in Kosovo and spent some time in Bosnia. And e each of those trips were after the main conflict had happened. It was part of a peacekeeping operation. Um, you know, I was patrolling the streets, uh, looking for, you know, what was going on in the area. Uh, we were part of a, a UN mission at the time. So a very different type environment, uh, not conflict. Even to the time where in 2016, when I was stationed in Afghanistan, um, we took various uh, I think it was 37 different rocket attacks onto the base. We all had to flatten ourselves down on the ground, cover our heads, wait for the volleys to come in. And then as soon as the all clear was sounded, jump into a bunker and these kind of things. But um, those were just, those were more annoyances than they were anything else. Um, you know, I seemed to find myself out on the running track most of the time that those things happened. And so I always found myself having to get on the ground, but, but I'm very, I'm very cautious about using the term, combat uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, I've, I've had colleagues and friends who, you know, have been in firefights with the enemy. We, uh, I have a, a very good friend of mine who retired last year as a chief master sergeant who has a license plate, you know, on his truck that, uh, that uh, I won't tell you exactly what the plate says, but it essentially gives a <clears throat> kudos to an IED that, uh, you know, that hurt him. Uh, and so he was awarded the Purple Heart. 
So a, a variety of, of people that I know have been in life-threatening combat situations. Um, I have been in, in combat zones, conflict zones, things like that. But, you know, I, I would never consider myself to have, you know, faced uh, a lot of enemy fire to the point where I would say, you know, combat vet kind of thing. So how many places do you think overseas you've been deployed? How many places have you been deployed? Well, overseas, uh, you know, I've, I've been in Korea uh, for quite a few trips. I spent a year at Kunsan Air Base, and then I spent uh, a little time over the course of about three years at Osan Air Base. I've been back to Daegu uh, for a, a few weeks stint as a training officer and things like that. I was stationed in Italy, uh, in which case I was forward deployed uh, from there into Kosovo and Bosnia, spent a little time in Turkey. Uh, did a little bit of a tour around some other areas there in the former Yugoslavia. And then I spent uh, six months in Afghanistan, uh, had a few stop-offs in various other places like Japan and Qatar and Kuwait and Germany and things like that, but not not long-term. Wow. So at, you're in, I mean, Air Force, you've flown these planes, I, well, I have flown in them, but I'm not a pilot. Oh, you ha you're not a pilot? No. Okay. Yeah. What's it like to fly one of them bad boys anyway? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what it's like to not throw up. <laughs> yeah, I, I know one of your previous guests uh, that you had on, on one of these uh, uh, shows was uh, very much into aviation and talked a lot about, you know, flying and, and things. Um, <laughs> I have been a passenger on a lot of different aircraft, military aircraft, um, you know, and, and I am very grateful to say that, no, I have never thrown up in them. And that's been very important to me, though I have been very close a couple of times uh, to the point of having the pilot tell me in one circumstance uh, that I was looking pretty queasy. And uh, if it really came down to it, he said, pull your T-shirt out and uh, and throw up down your flight suit. because <laughs> Otherwise, you're cleaning out my plane. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I could not imagine. I think it would be fun. I mean, I sit here and I watch all these films like Top Gun and all that where they're like oh, yes. on or Armageddon when they're mm. taking them up and sucking their eyes back into their head. To me, that <laughs> looks fun. But I'm just right. that type of person, you know, where I would be down for whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Don't crash. We're good. You yes. Know? <laughs> no, exactly. I'm, I'm glad every time it's been uh, point A to point B and We've, uh, we've been good all the way around. Wow. So do you ever see yourself retiring from the military? Well, that's a, it's an interesting question. Uh, I think when you get this many years under your belt, um, you know, even, even those that are not quite to the 20 year mark yet, but they're really looking toward it. You know, at this point I could say I could put in my paperwork and retire tomorrow, you know, put in my paperwork tomorrow to retire if I wanted to, but uh, there are a few things I have still left to do that I want to do. Um, you know, it's a constant discussion with the family, make sure that we're all on the same page when it co comes to continuing military service. Um, you know, for anyone who who is married, has kids, um, you know, the family serves along with the member. Uh, it's, it's as much a sacrifice for them as it is for us. In fact, probably more so than a lot of times that, um, you know, I've had to go places and um, my wife, has been at home with the kids. Um, you know, we did not get married so that she could be a single parent, but there's been a lot of opportunities to, to have to do that. And she's super strong. And, you know, it's a thankfully thankful to her uh, that, you know, things are always taken care of and, you know, she's amazing. And there's really no, 
no way that we on the military side could continue to do what we're doing if if we were constantly concerned about what's happening at home and and the the ability for the family to be taken care of and you know that that makes it a lot easier for us to do what we need to do Yeah, I mean, it could work either way, regardless if it's a mother staying home with the kids or even vice versa. Oh, yes. The father being home and the woman that's right being in the military. So, I mean, being away like that, yeah, kind of does make you a temporary single parent, even though you're not, oh, single, yeah. you know what I mean? But still, I, I see it's hard. You know, mm -hmm. I, I was not... as far as military related, but I was in those shoes as far as being a single parent years ago, mm -hmm. you know, and that is hard. Yeah. It is. But having to take care of your children and constantly worrying about what's going on there, you know, it is definitely hard. And like you said, as far as retiring tomorrow, see, I've been trying to talk my son into getting out, but I just don't see it. He's five, six years in already talking about, you know, getting out of the army and then re-enlisting into the Marines. And I'm just, oh. yeah, you know, you need to make up your damn mind <laughs> <laughs> what you're doing. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I think his issue is, he said that um, it's either his squad or Fort Hood, once you're stationed there, I guess they don't deploy. Is Yeah, what I, I wouldn't, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's what he told me. And I think that's where his issue is, is because he wants to be deployed. Mm. And that's why he feels like now he has to change branches. Well, the good news for him is there's plenty of time left. You know, <laughs> it, it, it's amazing how fast when you when you're at, you know, my part where you're looking at 26 years and you look back how quick that went. You know, but I also remember at the four or five, six year mark, it seemed like forever until 20 showed up. So, so it's all perspective. And, and when you're, when you're looking at, uh, I want to do this, I want to do that. Yes. They always say there's no time like the present and, you know, do it while you're young and a, a variety of things that, you know, they can have as slogans to, to go out and deploy. But each time that I've gone anywhere, it's been at a time where whatever experiences I had at that moment and what leadership opportunities that I had at that time were all right for the deployment I was going on. And, and so it's like, you don't need to rush it. You know, it'll, it'll happen. But, um, you know, I think patience is also a virtue in the military. <laughs> so kids, as far as your children, have any of them thought about going into the military? No, I don't think any of them will. Um, my youngest is 12, well, soon to be 12. Um, I, I don't I don't foresee any of the older two going in. But, um, you know, jury's still out. I, you know, I still remember when he graduated preschool and they asked him what he wanted to be. And he said a giant T-Rex. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, what's so. funny about that actually is my daughter, um, right when she was getting out of high school, she wanted to be a veterinarian. So all of a sudden I'm thinking, you know, she's going to go to vet school and all this, and they were going to help her, you know, as far as scholarships and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing I know it's, oh, I joined the army. How yeah. the hell did you get from that <laughs> to taking the ASVAB? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. <laughs> she got kind of mad because the army had told her, um, even her scores, her scores were high enough. She wanted to work with the animals to get them, you know, to go out with the soldiers and possibly go out herself. Well, they put her in a kitchen. Oh. 
I've never heard somebody complain so <laughs> God she was pissed. And honestly, I really couldn't blame her because if I would enlist to give four years or five years of my life away and I didn't end up with the job that I signed up for and I'm in the kitchen making meals for all these people. Yeah, yeah I think I'd be a little pissed off about that too, you know? Yeah. <laughs> she ended up, she was the one who who got out pretty quick after, I mean, after she served her time, she got out. You know, she'd had kids already. She would got married and while in, you know, so she was just ready to be a mom after, mm -hmm. that, you know, but I'm still yeah. trying to figure out how that 360 kind of happened from veterinarian to I'm in the army now, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I grew up with stories from my grandpa from World War II. And so I kind of grew up around military stories and his life and the 853rd Engineer Aviation Battalion, what he did, um, you know, things that he lived through and so forth. And so I think there was always a, a calling to, to do military service with me, but it wasn't, I didn't do junior ROTC in high school. We didn't have such a thing when I was in high school, uh, in our school. Uh, when I went to college, I was not part of the military training program. I, I didn't join ROTC right away. Um, I was kind of finding what it is that I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, I thought about trying to play college athletics. I thought about teaching. I thought about a variety of different things. And it was probably about a month and a half into my freshman year when I just found myself, you know, drawn to possibly looking into a military commission. I uh, started with the Army, didn't uh, really find a lot of goodness there uh, and made my way over to the Air Force side. And, um, you know, really the rest is history, as they say. But I remember standing in the hallway and at, at the uh, North Gym at Fresno State, there was a kind of a junction in the hallway that had the, the two signs. And it said Air Force ROTC with an arrow one way, Army ROTC with an arrow the other way. And I'm standing at that that corner of that wall and I'm looking up and I'm I'm just kind of standing there. And uh, Master Sergeant Terry Logan comes out of the Air Force detachment and he looks down the hall. And I still remember him calling out to me boy are you lost <laughs> and and i i kind of was and so he he said well come on in and so just walk me down the hall and within 10 minutes i'm in talking with the detachment commander uh set me up with what the program was all about got to think about it for a little while uh within the next week and a half or something like that i made the decision that this was the way i was going to go and um got a scholarship a few months later to pay for the rest of my schooling, you know, and then, uh, that's, that's been 30 years ago. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah. So from military to voice acting. Yes. How does that work? <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, that, that's, that's an interesting transition. So uh, I'll tell you a story in a couple of ways. One is when I was stationed in Italy, in uh, 2002 and 2003, uh, I was actually living on a naval base in Naples, Italy, NAS Capodichino. And the chief dentist was big into theater and he wanted to put on a production of R.A. Gurney's Love Letters. And so he did a casting call there across base. Um, I had never done theater, didn't do it, and didn't do drama class in high school, nothing. But I figured, well, I'm not, I don't have stage fright. I can get up there with anybody else. So I'll go ahead and audition. And I got the lead. So I went in as a Andrew Make Peace Lad the Third as my first official theatrical role. 
and really kind of had the theater bug at that point. Wow. I worked that into a lot of different um, independent film projects um, and a couple commercials and things like that over the next, you know, 15, 16 years, whatever it was. And then uh, when I got assigned to uh, Beale Air Force Base in California, I started to do more community theater again, uh, a lot more film work in Las Vegas and things. But then, you know, once I got to Northern California, I started to do more theater. And after being in eight or nine plays at that point, um, I started to look into other ways to uh, exercise the, the theatrical bug and then creativity and um, a passion for the arts and things like that. And uh, I, I like to read. Uh, I enjoy stories. I like reading to the kids. I like doing voices when I read to the kids, you know, a lot of different things. And so uh, when the theaters weren't working anymore, as I said earlier, it was easy to make that move to maybe I can start looking at voice acting as an option. And so uh, that's kind of where I've been. And I, th I think it's been more of my focus for the last three years. So what do you think about your kids going into something like that? Have they brought that up? Are they interested in that? Well, yeah, you funny you should say that. My daughter is in two of my productions. Uh, she had a great time. Uh, she played Lenore when I did uh, a an audio drama of Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. And then when uh, one of our productions that earned a Saturday Visitor Award nomination uh, from the International Edgar Allan Poe Festival, uh, she played one of the attendants in the Montresor House. And so she had a lot of lines at that point. And so was extremely nervous doing anything like that. But she enjoys getting out there. She's got a great personality. I, I think it's something that after a while she might uh, really take an interest in. What about the others? Well, I, they're, they're both hams. Uh, they jump around the house and do crazy things most of the time. They're big into sports, uh, basketball especially. Um, but, uh, you know, my son's got a person, my, my middle son, he's uh, 14. He's got a personality to beat the band and, um, you know, so I, I think this wouldn't be too much of a stretch to say something theatrical or artsy might be something he's interested in later. But, you know, he's a freshman in high school. And so I think he's he's still got a, a ways to go. Well, he's a sophomore now. Goodness sakes. Yeah, I know. I have one of those. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's hard to believe, you know, I mean, he, this, the kids are growing so fast. Yeah. They don't really know what they're doing. I mean, like my daughter, I've had that conversation before. Um, I tried to get her in front of the camera and I'd even actually put her out for a role and they selected her because she looks like Wednesday Adams. Oh, yeah. When she was a little bit younger, she looked dead on Wednesday Adams. And that's what they needed for their movie. And they got back to me and I put her in front of the director and she just, she didn't want nothing to do with it, but voiceover and art and animation and stuff like that. That's where she excels. And yeah. was, you don't have to be in front of the camera because I've been in front of the camera. That does not matter. I'm not going to force you to do something you don't want to do. Right. You're, you're good at art. So I feel like your focus should be with the art, the animation, the drawing and the voiceover then you don't have to worry about all eyes on you because mm -hmm. she's kind of shy. So when they're around that age, because she just turned 16. So I think that they're, when they move up to about 16 is normally when they start changing their mind. When they're 14, they just really don't care. And then when they're into something, I think they just kind of move with it, you know, Yeah. got friends pulling them somewhere else in another direction. It's always yeah. the friends, always. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So 
movie wise movies because i know you said you did some commercials what commercials yeah. and movies have you done well it, uh, when i was in las vegas i had an opportunity to do quite a few independent projects but i i think a couple of them that were the most fun to do um one of them is still in the film circuit right film festival circuit right now and it's called adversary and uh, i got to play a fallen angel had a lot of great lines uh, we shot it in a little ghost town called rhyolite north of las vegas um, and it's it's been doing amazing. Uh, we've had two, I think, uh, ensemble award wins over the last uh, couple of months. One at the Las Vegas or Los Angeles Film Festival, I think, and then one uh, about a month prior or so. But last year, while it was still in the circuit, it won 17 or 18 times. So so it's it's been doing really well, and that that's a lot of fun. I, I like good writing. I like good characters. Um, you know, I've auditioned as as everybody who auditions. You don't get everything you audition for. But but you you hope that when you are auditioning that you can audition for a role that you really like, um, and I know that in theater that's been something I've been very fortunate to do is I've I've been able to land roles that I really wanted to play that really spoke to me and and had a great time doing them, uh, and in film you know I, I think I've had some of those too, but I also think that one of the films that I had no speaking role at all it was the extra of extras right that was in there it was uh, I think I'm credited as diner patron. Right there. I've got uh, something like that. Don't feel bad. <laughs> oh, I know. I mean, it's uh, it's great, but it, it was a movie called um, Billy Topet, Master Magician, and it was made by the the you know famous magician Lance Burton, and it was a passion project of his, and he he wrote it and he directed it, and he uh, had the, he was involved in the casting and the whole thing, so you got to meet him, and and he was very mm -hmm. invested in, and he is. He is a, just a personality that just is uncontrollable most of the time. And when you're on set, it's it's everything that that everybody else can do, especially the production team, to tell them, okay, we've got it. We have to get this shot. You can talk to them later. You know, he just wanted to get around and talk to everybody and meet everybody and thank us for being there and how important the project was to him. And he's very grateful for us being there. I mean, just just a really nice, personable guy. And so we we shot the scene in the diner for maybe four hours or something like that. Um, and, and I was essentially interviewing somebody. I had a notepad in front of me and I think we picked up the same salad for four hours, whatever it was, but you know, it's, it's just some of those experiences, maybe it wasn't a lead role or something that, that, you know, you get recognized for per se, but I think on set, that was, that was really a, a watching the creativity, watching the personality, watching all of the production take place. Uh, that was just a great experience overall. See, that's that's where they got me. They got me from um, uh, the first thing I did was an extra roll. It, but it was three nights in the cold, and I had so much fun. Mm. And I mean, I get it. You know, it, what sucks is because when you're an extra, you're not gonna get credited, which really sucks because. You were there too. You were working. You were just as cold as everybody else, you know, yeah. or at the same time, but you never get that credit, which, you know, I get it. It's, it's the way it works, but nobody's going to be yelling <laughs> down the street. Hey, aren't you the extra extra in such and such movie? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Come here, let me get your autograph. <laughs> yep. I know. That's never gonna happen. You were the diner patron. <laughs> <laughs> you go. You did a That's damn right. good job with the salad. You know. <laughs> yep. 
they're, they're never going to do that, but it's fun. And I really think that's the way you can actually tell if this is the industry that you want to be in. Mm-hmm. You know, when I agree and they're doing it because you're going to, there's so many times and my favorite part of every single movie, when they have them, when they add them in and it really makes me mad when they don't add them in, you know, the bloopers. Oh yeah. I love, I love the damn bloopers. I will sit there and watch them bloopers <laughs> I swear forever. I don't care, you know, because they crack me up better than the movie because you are actually seeing what's really happening. And um, that's where I fell in love between the bloopers and the extra stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I had fell in love with it and it's just so much fun. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, The Proposal. Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. Sandra Bullock. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you know the ending part when they're in the office at the very end and the guy starts rambling on about what side of the bed does she sleep on? <laughs> the last, what side do you sleep on? What the hell? Who the hell asks those kind of questions? You know what I mean? But yeah. it's stuff like that that cracks you up to make, you know, that just draws you into wanting to do it. You know? Yeah. No, absolutely. What was your job after salad eating diner patron? <laughs> Well, I think that one uh, was right before the commercial that I shot, uh, which was for a casino that actually had representation in Las Vegas, but it was a casino uh, on a Seminole reservation in Florida. And so it was a casino called uh, Coconut Creek, and uh, it was a a, a relaunch. The casino, I guess, had either gone belly up or they were uh, renovating of some sort. It was a grand reopening, right, for the the, uh, Coconut Creek Casino. And so, um, so they, they hired, they, um, did a casting call for a bunch of people. And, and I went in, I, I earned a spot as they casted two parts, one male, one female lead. And we each did what they called the humdrum commercial. And it was, uh, you look, um, everything you could possibly do in a day that was boring. It was ironing, watering the grass. We took, uh, different shots of, you know, flopping down on the bed and falling asleep and, but it's all just individual. So my single life during the day how boring and repetitive the whole thing is and then once you get to the casino then it's it's life right so everything is excited and and so we uh, we were able to shoot this 15 second commercial which took eight hours in three different locations to do uh mm-hmm. starting at a uh at a golf club um in uh in oh gosh i think it was on the south side of las vegas all the way over to uh what looked like a, a house out of florida somewhere even with the pink flamingos in the yard where we shot a lot of the scenes you know on the eastern part of las vegas uh, but all of the movement and, and everything else just do 15 seconds uh, we were there for a little over eight hours doing that but it was it was hilarious it's it's one of my favorite uh, favorite bits on film of me is just that commercial is, is a lot of fun so this was for a commercial in florida it was for a casino in florida but we filmed it in las vegas yeah. I didn't even know they had casinos in Florida. Yeah, it's on an Indian reservation. So yeah, they've they've got the the casinos like that too. Wow. I never mm-hmm. knew that. I didn't know that they I mean, I know that they have them on um what the hell is that? The boardwalk. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. In New York. I because I grew up in Vegas, which is funny that, you know, and I love the casinos in Vegas. I am dying to mm-hmm. get there to see some of those casinos because I really want to. I did find out that they're blowing up the Mirage. The Tropicana. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I mean, I really want to go. They're taking the Tropicana out too, or they already did? 
Seriously? Uh, Tropicana, it's it's scheduled for demolition so they can build a new ballpark for the A's. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. That's a- <laughs> I know. That makes me mad. I was there when they blew up the dunes. Uh, I, that's exactly what I posted on Facebook. I remember that because my dad and I played at the dunes golf course there. I yeah. Love- so it was really sad. Yeah, it was an older one. But I mean, I want to see the, um. oh my God, what the hell is the name of that? The Italian what that Bellagio yes okay and I want to see um oh my god the one with the fountains I can't even the think of the damn names because I haven't been out there oh the the Venetian yeah the Venetian that's what I want yeah and Caesars has a really nice fountain in front of it too now yeah oh yeah I've seen that I've seen Mm -hmm. that when Evil Knievel jumped that years ago Mm -hmm. I've seen that I mean I think I was out there when Evil Knievel jumped that but I mean, they have all them new ones. And one of my favorites was the Mirage because of the fountains outside. And it just really makes me mad that they're blowing, you know, they're getting, they're getting rid of some good ones. Like when yeah. I was out there last time, I think it was right after the MGM got done. Mm. That's how long it's been since I've yeah. been out there. So I'm dying to see some of the stuff there. Yeah. Now we lived there from 09 until uh late or early 17 so about eight years now that we lived out there and you know it's a typical military family you know type thing multiple different houses you know three kids born in three different hospitals two different states (laughs) you know (laughs) kind of the way it goes yeah did you ever happen in vegas when you lived out there did you ever go four-wheeling no never did no yeah there's a good place to go four-wheeling out there everybody thinks you know when you're when you have kids that Vegas is really not the spot to actually raise those children. But honestly, when you live there, it's a little different than, you know, just visiting or coming to see hotels because there is actually stuff out there for kids to do. And Mm -hmm. we used to go four wheeling all the time out by Nellis air force base. Yeah. It was one of the best times I ever had in my life because those dunes just, Mm -hmm go like that you know it's just so much fun out there <laughs> yeah we've seen them but we haven't done them <laughs> oh it's fun yeah get them kind of sideways though because you don't want to <laughs> tumble yeah yeah <laughs> which you For will sure. <laughs> yeah no las vegas was where my daughter learned to play softball and won some championships out there and i got a chance to coach her team for a few years so yeah i know I know what you mean. Great athletic programs, you know, out there. Uh, first place, my wife became a competitive ballroom dancer, was out there in Las Vegas. So just a lot of things for the family to do. We lived, um, gosh, 20 minutes away from the strip. So, you know, Vegas is so large. You don't you don't need to live right there on Las Vegas Boulevard. You know, you, you think of everywhere else that that's around there. And, you know, there's a lot of good residential areas, too. Did you live out towards Santa Fe? No, it was the other way. We, we were up in Lone Mountain. I lived um, for a while off of Rainbow on Westcliff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're probably 10 minutes from there, or give or take. Yeah. yeah. And then I'd always, um, well, I did twice. Because when I was younger, I figure skated for okay. a couple of years. And when I got to high school, which I went to Cimarron Memorial. I don't oh, know. Oh, I played baseball there. Yeah. Yeah, Cimarron. I uh-huh. at school, well, I would actually. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I played it at Centennial. We had a few tournaments where I played adult baseball and we played at Centennial. Yeah, I don't know if I ever played at Cimarron. Yeah. They yeah. have a bus line that runs there. And I actually, I think it was like fourth period or something. I skipped 
school twice. Well, oh. those last classes. And I got on the bus so I could go ice skating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, I, I had this thing. So nobody really ever found out I had to go there anyway afterwards. But I just kind of cut a little early so I could get there quicker. You no, know, of course. But Vegas is actually a pretty, pretty fun place. It is. Yeah, we enjoyed it for sure. So you're living where now in California? Yeah. So my, my wife and kids are there in California. I'm stationed at Shaw Air Force Base here in South Carolina. So we're, uh, unfortunately, we're geographically separated, but, you know, we're, we still have our place there in California and that's where the family is. So how, how do you like California? Um, it's all right. I mean, uh, we, we enjoy the area that we're in. Um, you know, my wife and I both grew up in a mountain town in, in uh, the southern part of central California. Um, you know, about 4,000 feet up in the Sierra Nevada mountains. So, so we, um, you know, we're, we grew up in the state, but we've been so many other places since then that, you know, we're not, we don't consider ourselves Californians, you know, but, um, but we're living there north of Sacramento. And I think the area that we're in has a, you know, it's very nice, quiet neighborhood. The kids enjoy playing with the neighbor kids. It's, we don't worry about their safety. We don't worry about you know, break-ins, uh, the, the area around there is, is safe and it's, it's nice. And I think it's, um, you know, kind of feels like the place we grew up, you know, realistically. So, so I think that part's really nice. And there's a lot of military presence in the area with Beale Air Force Base being like 15 minutes from our house. And, you know, we're about 45 minutes to an hour away from Travis Air Force Base. So there's just a lot of military in the area. And, and I think that that definitely helps. So how do you like South Carolina? This, this, well, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, I came here from Langley Air Force Base in Southern Virginia, and it was a, a place that I've never been stationed before. Uh, I, I was trying to think whether or not outside of just a stopover at an airport, if I'd actually ever been through South Carolina before, and I don't know that I have. So this was very new to me uh, from, from the word go. And, and I really like it. Uh, I think the area here around Shaw with uh, Sumter, it's, it's, it's like a it's a small town, but it's big at the same time. It has a lot of the stores that, that you would think. It has a lot to, to you know, you need a, a Walmart, a Lowe's, a, a Home Depot, a Staples. I mean, all the, the big, you know, stores that you would think of in a big city, they're, they're all right here. But yet it's a, still a small town in South Carolina. And, and it's the area I'm living in. It's pretty quiet. So the humidity, though, I don't like. Really? It gets yeah. real humid down there in South Carolina? Very. Yeah, in the in the summer it was it was very humid, but at the same time we've had uh, probably four seasons in the last nine days. You know, we even had to the point where I went out in the morning had to scrape ice off the windshield, and the next day it was seventy five. So it's it's the the varying temperatures, especially around this early part of the year, have been unique. You don't want to go to Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I told somebody. Uh, it's true. I am sorry. I don't care who says what about the weather here. It is true. We can have five inches of snow one day. Mm -hmm. 55 degrees the next day. 80 degrees. And then guess what? We're right back down to nine degrees. out of yeah. Or mm -hmm. it goes the opposite direction. You know, it'd be 85 degrees or 80 degrees. And then all of a sudden, you know, the next day we've got five inches of snow. It just, this weather, it makes no sense. Mother nature <laughs> is a bitch in Ohio. <laughs> yeah. I can't stand that. I mean, if you ever got stationed around here, trust me, 
he, he'd be like, oh, God. Yeah. Just yeah. like most people that spent, you know, a length of time in the military, you, you tend to find yourself at Wright-Patterson more than once. So, you know, I've had plenty of TDY short-term trips up there to uh, Wright-Patterson, but never stationed there full-time. That's a cool place. Yeah. No, oh, the Air Force Museum there is amazing. I am dying to go, yes. actually. I really want to go to that. Yeah, but getting anybody to leave the house around here is kind of, you know, <laughs> I, I don't want to go by myself, you know. I yeah. would if I had to, but right. I would prefer to go with somebody else just to go because I like older pictures and I would probably be taking a lot of pictures to be able to make them black and white or whatever, you know. That's just the kind of stuff I like to do on the side. Yeah. You know, I've got this bad thing about black and white photos. I just love black and white photos. And I think going to them older places like that and seeing those older planes and stuff just be awesome. You know? Yeah, I got a chance to go there uh, no, probably four or five years ago now. But the amount of work they did on that museum and the way it's laid out now versus what it was 15 to 20 years ago, it's it's just beautiful. And the the way that it moves between different parts of military history, um, you know, and takes you through the space program and the missiles. And then, you, of course, you have the the planes, the static planes and things that are out there to see. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's just so well done. You know, it's something everybody should go see if they're fans of aviation, fans of military history, fans of the Air Force, whatever. I mean, you're going to you're going to see a lot of great things in that museum. And they did a They did a beautiful job. Just go check it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go check out the museum. You live in Ohio, you gotta go there. That's yeah, right. Probably about 45 minutes from me. It's not too okay. bad. It's yeah. Really not too bad. But I I really want to go. But I wasn't sure, you know, if it's open to the public or if you have to be, you know, military affiliated. No, it, it's open. Yeah, it's open to the public. You can get you can get go to the museum gate and yeah, you can get on there. Cool. <laughs> definitely cool yes so anything coming up any bigger projects anything more that you're going to be doing i uh, yeah especially in the voice acting you know and audio drama production world there's there's always a lot going on um you know i'm, I'm regularly voicing roles for other people's podcasts uh, i do quite a few different accents and voices and so it, it's uh, nice to be able to get work in a variety of different ways but i'm also working on mask of the red death which is our my my company's production that we've been working on. We recorded the lines, uh, gosh, probably more than a year ago now, but it's been taking kind of a backseat to some other projects that had to be done, but I'm contracted with audiobooks all the way out into April at this point. So there's a lot of, lot of work on the horizon. Well, I mean, it works out better for you as far as the voiceover, because voiceover can be done anywhere. It can, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, versus if you were needed on a film set and you're stationed, it's not going to be as easy for you to get there. No, that's very true. And and I know that I have a professional booth at my house in California, but with me, I, I have what I lovingly call my blanket fork. So it's uh, audio dampening, you know, sound dampening blankets that are all around a PVC frame. And, uh, and I've got my microphone set up in there and uh, the computer and and uh, everything else is, is outside of that little space, but it, it gets the job done and, and makes a nice sound. So, you know, we've been able to continue doing that, even though I don't don't have the professional booth that uh, I can't can't take that with me. I know. I hate it when I get to travel somewhere and I know I'm going to need stuff and then I can't 
take it. So it's just like you take the minimum, the minimum amount of stuff that you know that you're absolutely going to need. But then when you get to where you're going, you realize, damn, I left something here or something's left behind. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get it again. Absolutely. It's traveling <clears throat> around, man. I'm telling you. Yeah. So, I'm going to let you say hello to your wife and kids. Give them yeah. a <laughs> absolutely so hi diana victoria andrew nicholas love you and i uh, hope you're watching <laughs> that's right your dad's doing a damn good job you guys should be proud <laughs> thank you and we will wrap this up for sure because i don't want to keep you too long anyway and i'm definitely gonna thank you for your service 26 you. years long time thank you yes <laughs> seriously and everybody Thank you for watching. We will see you next time. See you later.